From Upstate Medical University, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. The five most common causes of hand and wrist pain are carpal tunnel syndrome, trigger finger, tendinitis, arthritis, and fractures. Here to talk about each of these conditions is Dr. Michael Schreck. He's a hand and upper extremity surgeon and a clinical assistant professor of orthopedics at Upstate. Thanks for being here. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate it. So let's start with um, carpal tunnel syndrome. I've heard that uh, a million adults in the U.S. are diagnosed each year. Yes, yes. So carpal tunnel syndrome is very, very common. Um, again, one of the most common things we see in our clinics is hand surgeons. And so what carpal tunnel syndrome is, is it is a compression of the nerve at the wrist. The name of this nerve is the median nerve. Uh, so what happens is this compression of this nerve is what causes the symptoms of carpal tunnel syndrome. Uh, which typically are numbness and tingling in the thumb, index, middle fingers, and part of the ring finger, as well as sometimes pain. And sometimes when the condition becomes more advanced, you end up having clumsiness uh, in the hand and fingers. So does it happen because of overuse? Are you using your hands too much or doing the wrong things with your hands that causes this? It's a very good question. Uh, So... We're not entirely sure why carpal tunnel syndrome occurs. There are certain things associated with it, including diabetes and other medical issues. Uh, As far as the whole overuse thing, you know, it can be associated with repetitive motions uh, with the hands and certain tasks that you repeat over and over again. Um, You know, the jury is still somewhat out regarding uh, the repetitive motion things, but certainly it is associated with carpal tunnel syndrome. Okay. So you, uh, symptoms would be some tingling. Mm-hmm. Um, what else would like lead a person to your office? Okay. So, you know, typically the most common symptoms are numbness and tingling, again, in the thumb, index finger, long finger, as well as the uh, half of the ring finger. And additionally, people will also sometimes complain of pain. And the most common thing that you find is people will come to your office saying, you know, doc, my hand uh, is waking me up at night. I have to wake up and shake my hand out. You know, it just feels numb and tingly and hurts. And I wake up and shake it out, and then I go back to sleep, and I feel okay for a few more hours. And I wake up again and shake my hand out. Huh. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that would set off to you that maybe this is carpal tunnel. Are there uh, tests that you have to do to verify that that's what it is, or is it? So, yes, so there are a few tests that we do just in our office, just clinical examination things that we do. Um, Sometimes what we do is we tap on the wrist because that's where the nerve lives, just over the palmar aspect of the wrist. We'll tap there. Um, We'll also actually manually compress that area. Um, And oftentimes those uh, types of maneuvers will bring on the symptoms of carpal tunnel syndrome. It'll recreate those symptoms that the patient has been having. And then you know that's what they've got. Yes, typically. And so then to take it one step further, there are also studies that we can perform that are known as nerve studies uh, that actually a neurologist performs in which you test the conduction of the nerve and that can tell us how healthy the nerve is and if in fact uh, the patient does have carpal tunnel syndrome. So is surgery the only treatment? So typically, uh, surgery is the only definitive treatment, meaning that there are other conservative things that you can try, 
You know, some people will try splints to wear at night to keep the wrists straight. Uh, what we find is that when you bend the wrist in certain ways, it can bring on these symptoms. So sometimes people will try night symptoms, or excuse me, try night splints. Um, additionally, sometimes uh, you can provide a steroid injection actually into the carpal tunnel, and that will alleviate symptoms for a period of time. But typically you need to have surgery uh, done in the form of releasing the carpal tunnel in order to completely resolve the symptoms. So once that carpal tunnel is released, is that um, a cure forever, or is there a chance this would develop back? That's a very good question. So it can recur. Um, typically, symptom recurrence is due to the carpal tunnel not being completely released at the time of the initial surgery. Um, that being said, you know, in very rare instances, you know, you do end up with a recurrence of symptoms, and the treatment for that is to undergo another release. Hmm. Okay. Is recovery, how long does that take? Uh, so it depends upon which technique you use. So there are certain techniques uh, where you actually make a little incision in the palm uh, through which you release the carpal tunnel. And then there are also techniques in which you actually make an incision a little bit further back, actually in the wrist, and you use an endoscopic instrument with a blade on it to release the carpal tunnel. So typically, you know, recovery from the incision in the palm, you know, takes, you know, a couple weeks for that incision to heal uh, versus when you do the incision in the wrist and perform the endoscopic release, uh, that recovery time is typically maybe a week or so, a little bit, uh, you recover a little bit quicker from the endoscopic procedure. And then obviously, as far as the symptom recovery, that will take, you know, a variable amount of time depending on how damaged the nerve was. Mm. So the more damaged the nerve was, the longer it takes for the symptoms to resolve. Um, what I will say is typically the nighttime symptoms will go away very quickly, almost instantaneously, regardless of what technique you use. So if you're someone who's suffering with these symptoms, it sounds like it makes sense to have it looked at earlier rather than suffering with it for months or years. Sure. that's just going to make it longer to... Absolutely, okay. yeah. The, the longer it's been going on for, uh, typically the more diseased the nerve is, uh, so typically the longer it would take to recover um, after performing the surgery. So yeah, certainly um, it would be better to have this looked at earlier rather than later. Okay. Well, let's talk about trigger finger. Okay. Um, I don't know what that is. <laughs> so trigger finger. Uh, so this is an entrapment of the tendons that flex the fingers. And so what it is, uh, for lack of a better term, is it is, it is a mechanical impingement of the flexor tendons as they pass through these little tunnels through which the tendons glide. So is this in all five fingers or just the index finger? So it can occur in all five fingers. Okay. Mm -hmm. So does it impede your ability to, to bend? So it can. So it can both impede your ability to bend the finger as well as to straighten it. So typically what happens is, so for whatever reason, and again, the disease mechanism isn't entirely understood as far as why we develop it, but you develop a focal nodular swelling in the tendon. 
and therefore the tendon has difficulty gliding through this system of tunnels or pulleys as we refer to them. And so what happens is as the tendon tries to glide through the tunnel, it gets stuck. And so... So it's like it's catching on something? Exactly. Exactly. And so then there can be such swelling uh, such that the tendon actually cannot pass through the tunnel, so you have difficulty flexing the finger down. Or you can have such swelling that you're actually able to pass the tendon through the tunnel, but then you have difficulty straightening the finger. And so then as you try to straighten the finger, it pops open or triggers, hence trigger finger. That sounds like it'd be pretty debilitating if, you know. It certainly can be, yes. So how do you fix that? So uh, there are some more conservative measures as well as surgery. So typically a trigger finger will respond to a cortisone injection into the finger. And now we inject actually not specifically at the finger, but rather in the palm over a specific region where the tendon seems to be catching uh, in the tunnel. And so we provide a cortisone injection there. And typically, you know, around 70% of the time, it will get rid of the trigger finger. Um, In fact, I myself have had a trigger finger um, in my dominant hand, and I underwent a cortisone injection, and that has been curative. Uh, It it was about a year uh, from the time I had the injection, and I'm symptom-free. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, But it could be something that has to be fixed surgically. Absolutely. So So the surgery that we do to fix this uh, involves making a little incision in the palm uh, over the uh, tunnel that the tendon is catching on, and we just release that tunnel. Oh, okay, great. Um, this is Upstate's Health Link on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with Upstate Hand and Upper Extremity Surgeon Michael Schreck. Um, and so now we want to talk about tendonitis. Um, so that is that inflammation. Mm-hmm. Itis means inflammation, but yep. what is uh, the tendon could be anywhere in the hand or? Yeah, so uh, tendonitis is, you know, kind of a continuum of what we refer to as an entrapment condition. So it's similar um, to trigger finger in that you end up with some sort of inflammation which causes swelling in the tendon and then these tendons, and it can can be anywhere in the hand or wrist, um, the tendons again end up having this mechanical impingement type Uh, syndrome, if you will, as they try to glide through their sheath. Uh, And so there are a couple of uh, wrist uh, tendonitis syndromes that are particularly common, uh, one of them being what is known as de Quervain's disease. And so this uh, type of wrist tendonitis uh, affects primarily the thumb side of the wrist. And so typically these people will end up with symptoms of, you know, pain over that area of the wrist and pain with certain maneuvers such as twisting a doorknob or, you know, kind of what I refer to as almost, you know, a, a hammer strike wrist motion where hmm. you, you move your wrist, uh, in that, you know, typical, uh, maneuver that you would use to, you know, hammer a nail into a board or something. So when I hear about an inflammation, I think of ibuprofen. Does that not help in this situation? Yes, ibuprofen can be very helpful oh, it can. in uh, wrist tendonitis uh, syndromes. 
Okay. But at some point it may become a surgical issue or? Yeah, so it can. Um, so, you know, again, a common theme with these uh, types of issues is that they can be treated conservatively using anti-inflammatory medications, cortisone injections, and things of that nature. Also, bracing can be very helpful. Um, and then if those measures fail, then we talk about performing a surgery, again, in which we release the tendons from the sheath or tissue uh, that is constricting them. Okay. Now, is arthritis similar to tendonitis? So arthritis is a bit different. Um, so, you know, arthritis is, there are multiple varieties of arthritis. There are, are inflammatory types of arthritis. That's, you know, we think of rheumatoid arthritis, things like that. And then there's just plain old garden variety osteoarthritis. And we can, you know, kind of think of that as just wear and tear over time. And so what arthritis does is it destroys the joint surfaces, uh, which are comprised of cartilage. So the joints like in the knuckle and, yep. okay. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So that's something many of us will face as we get older. Yeah, unfortunately, yes. Um, you know, arthritis is quite common. Um, probably, you know, more common than we think of in the hand. You know, you can, uh, you can actually spot it just with your, the naked eye. You can look at someone's hands and see if they have, you know, focal swelling, particularly over the knuckles, things of that nature. That's an indication of arthritis. Now, particularly in the winter in Syracuse area, um, fractures of yes. the hand and wrist probably, you probably see more of those in the yes, winter, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, what's the typical course for someone who's fractured their wrist? Okay, so typically, well, so, you know, as you've alluded to, you know, when it's icy outside, people slip and fall, and they fall onto their wrist, and then they end up uh, fracturing the wrist. And so typically how we treat that is, uh, the patient is, you know, usually brought into the emergency department because they've had an injury. And the first step in the treatment is to actually manipulate the wrist uh, back into its normal or anatomic position. That sounds painful. It is. Okay. Um, and so typically to control pain for that, uh, we will provide uh, medications, you know, through an IV uh, in order to lessen the pain. And we can also do an injection of numbing medicine actually directly into the wrist uh. as well to control with the pain of that particular manipulation maneuver. Okay. And so what we do is we manipulate it back into its appropriate position and then we apply a cast or a splint. Um, now, this may be the definitive treatment for certain patients. Typically in younger patients, you know, kids and teens, this can be a definitive treatment. As we get a little bit older though, um, we don't necessarily respond as well uh, to a manipulation and casting treatment. And so what we do is we follow serial x-rays in order to make sure that the bone has stayed appropriately aligned. Oh, and if it has not? If it has not, then the patient requires a surgery. Okay. Well, I appreciate you being here to talk about all of this. My guest has been hand and upper extremity surgeon Michael Schreck. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink On Air.